Well, this morning's message is something that is, it is a message that, you know, as, as always, as a, as a pastor and as a preacher, you know, you always try and put yourself in, in the position of being taught. And I really do believe that's the way God, he works, at least in this pastor and this preacher's life, right? Is that he probably brings things to attention to you, maybe a little heightened awareness on some things uh, to share with others, uh, so that so that you can that you can protect your brethren and uh, do your part to help. And and so you know, as a pastor, there's no magic sauce that you drink that you're not you're not immune to the 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 wiles of the devil and the and the and the difficulties of life. And the challenges of, of parenthood and fatherhood and being a husband and, you know, all the stresses at work and those kind of things in here. And, you know, just because you're a pastor or a preacher or something like that doesn't mean that because, you know, we're going to today we're going to be talking about putting on the full armor of God and being battle ready, you know, and, and gearing up. Right. You, you think about all those things, and you know, well, man, I have to do the same thing that everybody else does. And so and it's hard. It's hard in, in our busy lives sometimes to be, as, a, as we would say, battle ready. And it's hard for us to remember day in and day out to gear up properly. You know, but it is absolutely important. Um, in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 10 is where we're going to start. Some important things when I was putting this together. In verse 1, it says, Now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold toward you when absent. Bless you. I ask that when I am present, I need not to be bold with confidence, with which I propose to be courageous at some, against some, who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh... We do, not war, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We're destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we're taking uh, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. And so... You know, he gives us a good glimpse there in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 in those verses that we just read is that the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. And that's a hard thing for us to grasp sometimes because uh, when you're hungry, you go grab something to eat, right? Uh, when sometimes, depends on what, what we choose, but th- there are certain things that we can do in our life that we feel we can alleviate the stress or we can alleviate problems. And if our problem is something as simple and elemental as hunger, obviously if you're hungry, you just go grab something to eat, right? That problem solved. Well, if our problem is spiritual in nature, we we can't reach out from a physical aspect and expect a a spiritual conclusion. Does that make sense? So what has to be done is, and, and to say that, you know, you say it's all spiritual. Well, there's physical and our spirit is tied to our bodies and so on and so forth. It's how God made us. 
And so they have to be aligned, is my understanding. They have to be aligned in such a way that we understand that, you know, as he says here, for our weapons are, are, uh, our weapons of, of our warfare are not flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. What fortresses are they talking about? They're talking about the spiritual fortresses. Spiritual fortresses in our minds, in our spirits. The things that we think that we can't conquer. The things that, as it says here, we're destroying speculations. Well, what are speculations? Speculations, I don't know that, 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 that our enemy would have us to believe that our God's not in control. Speculations like maybe that we can't solve everything. Well, the truth is, is we can't. But God has already provided us this, provided us the answer, and He's already given us the solution, hasn't He? It says every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. Well, what is He talking about? He's not talking about physical lofty things he's talking about spiritual he's talking about mental he's talking about the things that that creep up into our minds and into our spirits that cause us to begin to doubt god you mean christians can doubt god absolutely you mean pastors and preachers can doubt god yes now, here's the thing that you and I struggle against. There's probably not a single one of us in here that would ever utter the words, both internally or physically, that would ever utter the words that, God, I don't think you're capable. Amen? I don't think any of us would say that. But we would think it. We would believe it. We would feel it. We would feel as though the, it, our, our desperation has overwhelmed us to the point that there is nothing else left. All the while, this, this lofty thing has risen up in our minds and in our hearts and in our spirits. And it's prevented us from seeing the goodness of our God. And by giving into those things and by giving into those lofty fortresses, by allowing them to build inside of us, they obstruct our view of our God. They obstruct our connection with our Savior. We, we begin to lose sight and we begin to lose faith. What? That Christians can lose faith? Amen. We absolutely can we can lose faith. We can lose sight of the end goal. We can lose sight of because the struggles or the challenges that and the fortresses that come up in our minds and in our spirits, we feel as though that they cannot be overcome. And we begin to become overwhelmed. Because we think about it from a physical standpoint. We think that I can do this. And God says it's not about you. You can't do this. You lean on me. You go to my word and gain my strength from my spirit. These lofty fortresses and these things, they come up and they're different for each one of us. They present themselves in our minds and in our hearts in such a way that we feel as though we're alone. And that we feel as though that, that we are we're without help. <clears throat> And we have to beat those things back sometimes. We have to, and it's not done by our own might and by our own strength. It's done by reliance upon God. And studying the scripture as it says here, that, that we understand that 
that we can't overcome these things through physical means. We have to overcome these things by spiritual means. We have to pray. We have to have the church pray for us. We have to have our brethren pray for us. We have to be around God's people. This is, this is one of the things that is, that is of absolute necessity about, uh, for us as God's people, the, the, the forsaking of, of, of us together, right? In Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about this is one of the things that we, we can overcome these fortresses. We can have these fortresses broken down by our brethren. We can have the Spirit infiltrate our lives and, and begin, to, begin to break down the barriers of those things because we come together and we spend time together in, in unison and in spirit. It's by far more than just going to church. It's by far more than just listening to the message that's preached or the lesson or the Sunday school lesson that is preached and taught to us. It's better for us to be together because there is strength in numbers when we serve God. But we must understand that our weapons against these fortresses are not physical. We can't do it by our own strength, and by our own might. We can only do it through Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I really like the way that this uh, scripture um, says it. When I read it, I thought, oh man, that's pretty good. In verse 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, for some of you it's only a couple pages over, it says, And working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, at the acceptable time, I listened to you. And on the day of salvation, I helped you. Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no cause or offense in anything, so that the ministry will not be discredited. But in everything, commending ourselves as servants of God, in much endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distress, in beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger, in purity, in knowledge, in patience, in kindness, in the Holy Spirit, in genuine love. In the word of truth, in the power of God, by the weapons of righteousness, for the right hand and the left, by glory and dishonor, by evil report and good report, regarded as deceivers, yet true. But primarily in verse, um, in verse 7 there, it says, In the word of truth, in the power of God, which, which is where the power of God dwells, in the word of truth, by the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left. We are equipped with the weapons that God gives us through His Word and through His Spirit. But they're weapons that we cannot physically see. They're the weapons of of battle of a Christian and our warfare that wages inside of us and in our lives and in this world that we live in today. Romans chapter 13 Verse 8 
says, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in the saying, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Do this, knowing the time, that it is already an hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone, the day is near. Therefore let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, and put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts, in regard to its lusts. The point that you, you know, that for me, when I read this, and it says, let us behave properly as in the day, and he's talking about not carousing and drunkenness and sexual promiscuity and sensuality and all those things. You go, well, why? There's a purpose. It's, it's more than just a rule, folks. It's, it, it's wasting time. We're his stewards. We're his people. In other words, if we are spending our time doing those kinds of things, we're not spending our times, our time being his steward. Those are selfish things. Those are, those are all things that mankind has struggled with and will continue to struggle with forever. It's not going to change. Those are all those things that are there. But he tells us, look, the time has already come. It says that the night is almost gone. The day is near. Lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. In other words, set all those things aside. We don't have time for all those things that we have to do in the shadows, right? For all those things that we have to do. They're a waste of your time. They're a waste of my time. I, I firmly believe it's from this approach that, that I see this from the scripture is that, you know, we, you know, to, to migrate away from the legalistic approach sometimes that we have and say, don't do this and don't do that and don't do that. Okay, there's a reason. I was raised that way, okay? My dad, and I love my dad to death, and he did a lot of good things. And one of the things that he taught me as a kid is he would always explain to me why I didn't want to do what I was about to do or what I wanted to do, right? He would tell me, he said, you don't want to do that because of this. And and it's, it's proven that I'm actually... Uh, I've had to have those discussions with my bosses and things like that um, over the years as they, they've asked, you know, you know, obviously I've gotten better at just doing what I've been told, and, but I, I'll do what I've been told first, and then I circle back around and I'll ask, hey, is there a particular, what's your, what's your logic behind this? What, you know, not to question what they're asking me to do, but to better explain um, what it is. And I was raised that way. That's the way my dad raised me. And so... Um, I always look at the scripture kind of kind of with that same approach is that there's a reason that God says don't do these things. Does that make sense? It's not because he's just a, a, a God full of rules, you see. It, it, you know, he, he says, hey, don't don't spend your time in drunken and carousing. Now, and you could even say depends on the drunkard and depends on the carousing. Some of those things may or may not prevent you from getting into the kingdom. Depends on who you are and depends on the circumstances, right? Because there may be some people that, you know, may have struggled with that their whole life that may get in. And you may go, well, that's not fair. Well, that's not your call. <laughs> and it's not mine either. 
You go, well, what do you mean? Well, the point of it is, is that maybe they are struggling through those things depending on when the Lord returns. I mean, you just don't know. So the point of it is, is that his scripture and, and the things that he provides us in here, he gives us an idea, says, listen, don't do this kind of stuff because the, the day is already here. The, the, the hour has come. Don't spend your time doing those things. Don't waste your time. Those things are a waste of your time and they complicate our lives. And I do believe something that is also tied to this is that the fact, the very simple fact that by engaging in those type of behaviors, you prevent your God from blessing you. Not that he doesn't want to, not that he doesn't want to bless us, but what you've told him by our actions and what I've told him by my actions is that that's not important, this is. So I'd rather do these things. says, okay, go for it. But he gives us this solution to this. He says, let us behave properly in the day, right? And then verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lust. In other words, put Christ first in your mind, your heart, your spirit, and your lives. Does that mean that you're the best at it all the time? No. Does that mean that there may be days that we all struggle with that? Absolutely, without question. There may be days that you're just absolutely rotten with it. Right? It happens. But by the grace of God, you get tomorrow. And hopefully you can wake up tomorrow and, 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 and start fresh and, and, and be prepared for what God has said for you to do. But he tells us to put on the armor of light. The only way to put on the armor of light is through Jesus Christ and with Jesus Christ. And it takes us putting it on. I can't put it on for you. You can't put it on for me. Especially during the week, right? We're, we're just not there. And so you're given the, that opportunity to do that. But we have to take ownership of that. We have to take ownership of that to where we go, hey, that's my responsibility. If you're waiting for your spouse to do it for you, they can't do it for you. If you're waiting for your kids to do it for you, you're probably going to be waiting a long time. <laughs> Maybe when they get a little bit older, you know. Maybe they'll be able to help with those things, right? That's not their job right now. That's your job. Ephesians chapter 6. In verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist the evil uh, day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit 
this in view. Be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, and in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And he tells us, in, like I said, in verse 10 there, it says, you know, to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Key thing there is it's not our strength. Amen. It's not our might. You know, and, and it, it, it's easy for us to insert our strength and insert our might into those kind of, into our thought processes, into the approach of the things that we do, um, into our service to him. Um, and it doesn't mean that God doesn't strengthen us to do those things and, and, and that God doesn't give us the strength, but it's all where it's derived from. That's an important thing for me to remember, right? And for all of us, I hope, is that where do you derive your strength? Where does it, where is its source? Its source comes from the Lord. So well, not all strength comes from the Lord. There's our physical strength, right? That we say, I can do this. And the Lord says, I didn't tell you to do that. And why are you doing it that way? That's not what I want. Oh, and one of the things that I've learned is when you try and do things with your own strength and your own might, you set yourself up for a major crash and burn. Things begin to fall apart on you. Why? Because I'm trying to do it myself. Because you're trying to do it yourself. And when it doesn't work, it falls apart. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. The scheme of the devil would have us to believe that you're in control. And that I'm in control, right? I got this. I'm in control. No, we're not. But sometimes we think we are. And the longer we go thinking we're in control, the worse it gets. Because guess what happens? We, we gain confidence. A false confidence. A confidence that is derived from the flesh and not in Him. Let your boasting be boasting in the Lord, right? The Scripture teaches us that. You boast in Christ. When you boast in yourself, in your abilities, in your own strength, in your own might, that's a dangerous bridge to walk across because it will fail. I will fail you. You will fail yourself. You will fail others. It says in verse 12, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. In other words, folks, it's stuff that we can't see. We can't see it. But it's as real as the sun is up right now. And it's spiritual in nature. We have an adversary. Our adversary is Satan. Now, he is not omnipresent like God is, but he's got a lot of helpers. A third of them that fell from heaven with him. And he would love nothing more than to cause us problems. So what do we do? Put on the full armor of God. We pray. 
We seek Him. We, we draw strength from one another. We draw strength from serving Him. We draw strength by, by relying upon His Word through prayer, by spending time with one another. You know, I want to I share something with you guys. I, just, just to give you guys an idea, I put this sermon together probably two weeks ago. Yeah, it'd be about two weeks ago, I think. And last night, it, you know, as you all know, I was gone last Sunday. And so last night I was nervous. You know, one of the things, once, once I submitted myself to the Lord as far as uh, submitted to the ministry, I've never really been, a lot of men come up here and say they're, and I might have said it a few times, very, at the very beginning I might have been nervous. I've never been nervous to proclaim the gospel. I believe with my whole heart that this is what God has called me to do until the day that I die. Without question. I don't have a lot of skills and abilities. <laughs> I can't wire a building. I can't build fine carpentry. I can't work on vehicles. I'm not that good at all those things. I'm just not. But one thing I do know is that God has given me a voice. And God has given me an ability to proclaim His gospel. And last night, the enemy crept into my heart and my mind and I was nervous. You could say, what do you mean? You've been doing this for so long. I was nervous to, to, to proclaim the gospel, and I think, in part, it's the message that I'm bringing today. Because the enemy would have me to be fearful. The enemy would have me to shy away from these things. The enemy would have all of us to do that. The enemy creeps in and says, my head hurts too much, I can't go to church. The enemy creeps in and says, nobody likes me. The enemy creeps in and says, my brethren, I don't even know if they'll notice I'll be there or not. The enemy creeps in and, and builds those fortresses that we're talking about, those things that pop up and they come inside of us and, and, and they, they become so real and so present that it causes us to fear. A proclaimer of the gospel. But I, I, I had something come up inside me that said, oh, this is what you do. You see, the enemy would trick us to believe that we're not worthy to do this, that we're not capable. Because the weapons and the, the warfare that takes place in that circumstance and in those times is not physical, it's spiritual. God has divinely placed, and you say, that's, that's a preacher's perspective, and I believe this wholeheartedly. God has divinely placed each and every one of you in this assembly. You have value, you have reason, and you have purpose. Amen. And it's His divine purpose, it's His divine reason, and it is, He has divinely placed you all here. Anything that creeps up in your mind that says that you're not supposed to, that you don't want to be here, or that you don't want to be around God's people, or that you don't, you say, don't be around God's people, or you don't want to read His Word, or you don't want to pray, that is from the enemy. And sometimes He infiltrates our own thoughts, our own hearts, and our own minds to achieve that. But that struggle and that battle 
It comes from within. It tells us to take up the full armor of God that we'll be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to stand firm. It tells us to put on a girdied your loins with truth, breastplate of righteousness, our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. He's given us all the tools to be battle ready. But they are spiritual in nature. They are not physical. The only way that we can properly put these things on is through prayer and through deliberate study of His Word and deliberate approach to putting God first in our minds and our hearts and our lives. It's done that way. And overcoming through His strength and His might those fortresses that build up in our minds and our hearts so that we can continue to serve God as He wants us to. And remember that this life and the things, everything that we do, it's bigger than you and I. The gospel message is bigger than us. He's placed us down here with, with purpose and with reason. He says, hey, look, I got, I got a job for you to do. And if we spend too much time worried about whether or not you're worthy or whether or not you're capable, whether or not I'm supposed to do this or I'm supposed to do that, we're, it's be, it is detracting us from the job that he's called us to do. Shake those things off. Rely on him. Read his word. And get up and go to work. Do what he's called us to do. In 1 Thessalonians... Chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Now as to the times and epochs, brethren, you have no need of anything uh, to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly, like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they will not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night, nor of darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and be sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and hope, or I'm sorry, faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we're awake or asleep, we live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. The struggle is the same for all of us. But he gives us something there that, that, that as he points to it, and, and for us is that God has given us the protection and the promise of victory. 
the overall victory. The independent victories in our lives, but also the victory when he returns. He says that God has not destined us for wrath. God doesn't want to destroy us. doesn't want us to be punished. He says, but obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, let us be sober. That's another one of those scriptures he says in verse 6 there. He says, so then let us not sleep as others do. Let us be alert and sober for those who do this. And you're basically saying, look, you can do all those things. If you do all those things, what you're doing is you're not prepared. You're spending your time doing useless things, things that are of no value. And they don't prepare you for the day when the Lord returns. To not spend your time doing those kind of things. I always think of, uh, you know, anyways, I just think about a lot of people that, generally speaking, the people that, that, that are very successful in anything that they try to do, whether it's physical or business or anything like that, most of the people that, that you see do that, they don't spend their time doing the useless things that losers do. They don't. They don't have time for that stuff. You know, there's, there's certain things that are out there. You're like, well, why, why get caught up on all those things? The drunkenness and the carousing and all those things. Listen, all those things you look at, how many people, how many people over the years? Now, I've only been around 39 years, almost 40 years, right? Now, getting closer to 40 years, right? I've only been around that long. How many times have you seen people that you that you went to high school with and things like that that you're like they 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 it was a lot of fun or it appeared to be a lot of fun at that day and age right in that time you look at it and they're still doing those same things and they waste away. You know what starts to happen at about 40 years old though? You start to lose your hair. And your bodies don't respond like they used to. And the fun things that you used to do and, and all the drinking and all the carousing and all the things that they, that they did, right? It starts to catch up to them in the years, doesn't it? And next thing you know, they got pot bellies. You know, from behind, they look as skinny as all get out. And then they turn to the side and you're like, Kapow! you're like, wow, where'd that come from? That's a Budweiser belly, you know what I mean? Well, it caught up to them. Sounds like fun. Sounds like great. Well, guess what? Those years, the, the window is small. You only get so long to do that. And the next thing you know, guess what? Life catches up to you. And you wasted all those years. Doing those things that no value. I think of that. And I'm not saying I'm any better. But you start to look at it and you go, man, I'm glad I didn't spend my time doing those kind of things. I'm glad I got away from that. It's probably a better way of putting that. I'm glad I got away from that. Talking like I haven't been there. That's probably not 100% honest. You know, just not a part of that. You look at that and you go, why? Well, it's a waste of time. It's fun. It lasts for a little while. But it catches up to me. I had friends... You know, you think about it this way, the friends that, that ran the edge in high school that did the drugs and did all those kind of things and smoked, smoked pot and did drugs and all those other kind of things, man, they sure were fun to be around at parties, right? You know, you're, that's really cool, okay, for some of us, okay, not everybody, okay? You, guess what happens? Doesn't, go, doesn't take long. 
Matter of fact, one of them was, had, a, had a pot house growing right across the street from, from Judy's house. Growing up uh, on uh, Shattuck. There's a friend of mine, Ruben. I won't say his last name. None of you probably know who he is anyways. But anyways, he, he was very entrepreneurial in nature. He rented a house, never lived in it. But every room was full of stuff. And that meter was going like this. You know? He ended up what? I don't know. I think he got about six years. I ran into him at a, at a fast trip after he just got out. I can tell you right now, that didn't look like so much fun anymore. I'm like, oh boy, he, he was a fun, he was a cool guy to hang out with, right? He was a fun guy to hang out with. You look at it and go, while I was going to work, while I was doing this, and while I submitted myself to the Lord, right? It doesn't make me any better, believe me. It's only God that those things are done. You look at that, you go, oh, I get it. That was no value. That landed him in the, in the clink, you know what I mean? He, he spent six years. You might have watched him, you know? And I thought, man, and he grew him right, right across the street from, the, from my wife's house that she grew up in. And you're just like, phew. You know, and it, it, the story repeats itself. And you look at that and you go, what do you mean? Why? I'm only telling you guys those things because those things look like cool at that age, right? Depend, and it depends on who you're hanging out with, believe me. Okay, not everybody ran in those circles, which is good if you didn't. Okay, don't ever go that way, ever. You see those kind of things, you think it looks cool, it looks fun, and then it, it catches up because it's, it's wasting time. And with that, in the darkness, when you spend your time in those dark areas, in those dark recesses of, of society, in the dark recesses of, of the spiritual world, you get the results, and it's dangerous, and it's costly sometimes. So don't spend your time doing those things. It all catches up to folks. It really does. If we take a personal investment and value in applying the Word of God to our lives and in, in a continual and deliberate process and effort, we get incrementally better over time. Not because it's our own strength, not because it's our own might, but through Him, that He continues to build us up, He continues to give us those things. And it says... Uh, in verse 11 there, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. And so that's what we get to come together here to do, is to build one another up. So that we're not tearing each other down like the world does. The world tears us down. The world beats us up. We come here, we're built up. We should be deliberate about the building up of one another and that we understand that that is a part of our stewardship to one another, to our God, is the building up of one another to, to in spirit and in, in His Word. Because we all understand that we're in this struggle together, this battle and the, and the, the fight that we're in. Uh, we also get to partake in the blessings that he, he provides us. But we take the opportunities to do that, brethren. Understand, listen, it is vitally important for all of us to pray every day. It is absolutely vitally important. You must be praying every day. We must be praying every day. 
It's easy to lose sight of the fact. And that our enemy and our, our flesh would have nothing else better for us than to, to become complacent that we just are existing and forget the fact that life is challenging and that there are, we have an adversary out there and that there are challenges that sometimes are placed there or even sometimes that there's blessings that he gives us. That sometimes we just think it's good, you know, it just happened, it's great. No, God blessed you with that. And so sometimes he, he, he you know, the enemy will attack us and, and will begin to... Um, attack our minds and our hearts. And so one of the ways that we get around that, one of the ways that we work through those things is through prayer. One of the fun, most fundamental ways, and study is another one. I don't tell you guys these things because from a preacher's standpoint that you know a preacher's got it all figured out and got it all licked. That's not what I'm telling you. I'm telling you because it is profitable for all of us to pray every day. To pray selfless prayers, to pray prayer that, that we rely upon His strength and His might in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, and with this assembly. Because the weapons that we fight with are spiritual. Our adversary is spiritual. The challenges that we have are spiritual in nature. That's why you think about it. You know, there's so many things that God's people, Peter, Paul, all of them. You look at them and go, how were they able to overcome some of the things that they were able to overcome, right? You've all heard me say this before, and I think it's a quote from, uh, I think it's John C. Maxwell, I think. But he says, you know, life is, is um, 10% what happens to you and 90% how you respond to it. Because you, there's too many circumstances, too many things out there where you, you read about people overcoming some insanely incredible odds, right? That you're like, how did people even make it through that? Well, it's not the circumstance that they find themselves in. It's, it's how they approach it. It's, it's their attitude in which they approach those things. The perception. God gives us the strength to overcome everything. Sometimes we just need to rely upon him a little bit more and a, and a lot less on ourselves. That's all I got for this morning, brother.